0: Welcome back to the Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Ben Burnett. Joining me, as always, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, my friend, how are you doing this fine, fine evening? I am doing
1: all right here, Ben. Uh, We are engaged in the hashtag Battle of the Buds this week. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, So we are, uh, you know, locked in Mortal Kombat here. Uh, in the Kukupful Tier 1, all the best to you this
0: week, good sir. The hardest part about this is uh, that we're both doing terribly in the Cupful this year. My team uh, dealing with the Kucherov injury and about five other injuries at any given time. Your team dealing with the, the Marner-McKinnon slow streaks. Of course, Marner now shoving it to my team. But I, I hope that we somehow both, I, I hope we tie, you know? Yes, that would be that would be an outstanding ending, just be, for the sheer unlikeliness
1: of the situation. I think it would be really awesome.
0: Yeah, I, I'm really hoping we're tied. My fingers are not even crossed a little bit right now. Everybody who is listening, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Short Shift, the twice weekly amuse bouche to keep you posted between the eight course meal that is the Keeping Carlson Mega Show each and every Sunday night. Lewis, we are going to hop right into it, and we need to talk about NHL Calder Cup win- Calder Trophy winner, 40-goal scorer, Cole Caulfield. I, I'm, I don't know if it's my glasses or are all fogged up or if I'm just reading incorrectly, but I saw a news headline today that Cole Caulfield got sent down to the AHL, but he hasn't scored his 40 goals that I was promised he was going to score this this year. Lewis, yeah, so what is going on?
1: I'm sorry that was uh, that was Calder Cup, not Calder Trophy. There, Ben. Well, uh, no, slight, he was supposed to. No,
0: no, no. You're you're misunderstanding. I'm saying he's he's obviously going to win the Calder Trophy and score 40 goals in the NHL this year, and so I don't understand why he's been sent down to now chase the Calder Cup because you know he was he was a shoe in for the Calder Trophy.
1: Yeah, a Calder Trophy, perhaps.
0: Sure. So. Uh, the deal with Montreal, of course, is that nothing has really gone right over there. He wasn't doing much except for shooting in Montreal. His percentages were super low, so I, I do think that there was a little bit of, of luck going on there. Um, obviously, his confidence was not super ratcheted up. Hopefully, he can recapture some of that magic down in Laval, where he scored three goals in the two games he played there at the end of last season. This does, you know, give him a chance to recapture that magic. Lewis, if let's say Cole Caulfield scores eight goals in the next, you know, 12 games or whatever, and the, the Habs call him back up around Christmas, are you rushing out to the waiver wire to pick him back up?
1: Yeah, I think I'd be happy to pick him up. What, what your question implies though, I think is maybe the more important half of it, which is, uh, you know, should should people be holding on to him or dropping him at this point? And you seem like you're very
0: clearly in the drop him camp at this point. Oh, my point. God. Yeah, sorry. Yes, just to be clear, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself, but I don't see why you wouldn't have already dropped him, right? Well, we
1: have been getting the question quite a lot with a lot of people who are curious about that. And I think unless you are in a dynasty uh, or a deep keeper, I'm with you. I'm not interested in holding on to someone who is, you know, at best, a question mark, once he makes an undetermined return to the NHL, right? So I think if you're in a one-year league, I think you need to just cut your losses and go out and grab someone interesting and exciting off the waiver wire, uh, and you know be tuned into the news and listen to uh, you know the game day news uh, Twitter account and see when Caulfield is coming back up, and certainly get after him and maybe even you know jump the gun a little bit, maybe miss a game or two without him if you're really confident that he's going to be much improved. But yeah, I think that there's no reason you should be carrying them along in a one, all but the deepest
0: of one-year leagues. Uh, I don't it, even think I would be. I mean, yeah, I guess if there's like 30 people on your team or whatever. But yeah, it's hard to imagine carrying Cole Caulfield.
1: Yeah, that's you know, it's unfortunate, but it, it's it's a very strange situation. Like they overachieved by so much last season that now that things are, you know, it took a long time for the chickens to come home to roost, but here they are. Uh, and obviously, those percentages that were buoying them all through that magical playoff run have disappeared at this point. Uh, and it's got to be tough for Caulfield, too, because he had a lot of success early on. And now, you know, it's been really difficult. So, yeah, I think it makes sense. You know, just like, you know, Eklund going down for or getting the scratch, you know, rookies need a little bit of this kind of work sometimes and i i hope it'll be beneficial for him in the long run it is a little bit uh, of a disappointment i'm sure for him that he was sent down just before this game against the red wings uh, where they're having a good deal of success here in the early going but uh, obviously that game has not wrapped yet so we don't know exactly how that'll end up
0: so, Lewis, you mentioned, uh, you know, you said, I think, if you're excited and you, you're bullish on Caulfield, go out and grab him. But I mean, people are listening to us. I, I think they want to know: Are you bullish? Would you be running out to grab him?
1: I, I'm very. I'm going to keep a careful eye on how he's doing. Uh, you know, in this stint, uh, as he as he gets sent down. I think I would be interested in taking a flyer on him, you know, especially, you know, my team, as you know, uh, is kind of studs and duds set up. Uh, I wanted to spend money on a few key players and then sort of fill things in. So I've got lots of space where I've got players that, you know, really are in there because of their schedule. And if you are also in that position, um, obviously, you don't have as much of a studs and duds approach if you're not doing an auction. Um, but even still, uh you know if you've got a lot of replacement level players i think you should be keeping a keen eye on caulfield because what if he does come back up and and make a big splash i think you'll be very happy that you went after him so i would keep a close eye on him and certainly if i have somebody who's just kicking around my lineup because they played four games in the previous week but they've got two coming up and we're never that good to begin with i think i'm gonna jump on that
0: it sounds like you're saying that you would be picking him up if you weren't really like – uh if you were struggling and you needed a boost on your team. I think I'm in the opposite boat. I would be looking for Caulfield when he comes back up if my team is cruising and I I think that there's a chance that he – um that he will pick things up as time goes on, but I, I just don't. I, I don't see how you could trust him coming back or like you know add him if you need to maximize every roster slot because sure. we've already seen the downside. We've seen what'll happen if he doesn't get much playing time, and and yeah, I just don't have a ton of. Uh, I don't have a ton of faith, but let's move on, Lewis. Let's go over to Colorado, where Kale McCarr is now out through the weekend. Sam Girard likely to get two shots at the top power play in Colorado this week, at least. Here's the interesting thing, Lewis. When I when I saw the Kale McCarr news, I, as I'm sure many folks did, went out to see if Sam Girard was available on my fantasy hockey waiver wires, but I stopped myself from adding him in a couple spots. In particular, the Cupful, where you and I are competing against one another. The reason being, these friggin' Colorado Avalanche schedules, they play six times between now and week six. It's only two games each of week four, five, and six. So I think, you know, there are some leagues where it's definitely worth going to grab Sam Girard. I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous to do so, though, in some of, my more, um, some of my more competitive leagues where I feel like I can't really afford to give up, that, give up the games played that it would require.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, if you're, again, if you're trying to maximize that space, and especially with defensemen, you know, uh, you're, you're counting on volume, and volume of games counts just as much as volume of time out there and you know the the avalanche of not it's another kind of a repeat of the last couple of years they've really had trouble getting that kind of those top 6 uh, all put together with their top defensemen you know the the five players on that elite power play kind of all playing at the same time and it just hasn't come together yet and i think it'll be great when it does um, but yeah, it's, it's been a real challenge for them to put the kind of team out there that they would like to have. And it's been very problematic, uh, for the stars on that team, the ones who have been injured and out and the ones who have been in while the others have been injured and out. And it's been really tough. I think for people who drafted Darcy Kemper thinking that he might be, you know, a top five goalie, he hasn't shown that to us yet. Um, but I think, you know, part of it is we were assuming that Colorado would cruise to a lot of pretty easy victories and it has been much more of a challenge, much more adversity than we have seen, uh, maybe than we expected, uh, up to this point. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's tough. I've got Kadri and, uh, I've got Kadri and McKinnon. Obviously, McKinnon's not going anywhere. Uh, Kadri has been playing really well. I know Brian and Elon talked about him on the last pod, and I think I'll keep him around. But, yeah, it's tough Uh only because I have, you know, such a dreadful sort of bottom of the lineup that I'm cycling through. I would rather have two games of Kadri than four games of Chris Tierney.
0: All right. Well, let's hop over to Vegas where the other I'd say the other big injury news today. William Carlson out for six weeks with a broken foot. Adding to that increasingly large VGK uh, injured reserve, you know, Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone out indefinitely. Carlson had just three points in eight games played so far this year. But this is still a bummer because the team has already been struggling to be productive offensively with two thirds of its top line out. Now they lose their best centerman, Vegas, 26th in goals for this year. I can't imagine that losing Wild Bill really helps that. The only forward that's really been doing much of anything this year is Chandler Stevenson. He has nine points in eight games. He's seen an extra two minutes a nice time with uh, with all the injuries over in Vegas, but he really isn't shooting much more. Still just 1.5 shots per game is played, and he has four goals on 12 shots this year. So obviously there's going to be a coming back down to earth for Chandler. Uh, otherwise, everyone's just been bad, and I can't say that I'm particularly excited to see Brett Howden moving up to line one to center So and Riley. On line two, you have Peyton Krebs playing with Stevenson and William Carrier, and then on line three, you have Dodonoff, Roy, and Kolasar. This is kind of the opposite of a rising tide situation, right? A, a lowering tide um, messes up every single boat. I'm not sure how long – Chandler Stevenson can keep up his torrid pace so far I'm probably not dropping him right away unfortunately though he's got all of those he doesn't really do shots he doesn't really hit so if he hits a snag and he doesn't produce for a few games I think it's gonna be pretty tough to hold on to him with all those zeros I would still want Marcia so most of the Vegas forwards despite Stevenson's hot start and he's worth holding but other than that I'm pretty much Probably staying completely away from Vegas Golden Knights, no matter who jumps up in the top power play with Carlson out. It just, it looks like a, a bit of a clown show right now.
1: Yeah, it's been really brutal. And, you know, you hope at least, you know, they've got those stalwarts on the blue line. Um, Shay Theodore had a situation where they were on a power play and they won the faceoff back to him and he took it out of the zone and then brought it back in offsides and he was immediately pulled from the power play with everyone else staying on the ice and replaced with Petrangelo. Uh, it's just been really ugly. They're getting, uh, stomped by, uh, Toronto. Uh, Robin Lanner, obviously having a tough go of things, uh, trying to keep them in the game early, but, um, has has allowed a couple more. So yeah, it, like you said, uh, the, the, whatever the opposite of the rising tide (laughs) lifts all boats, the, the receding tide drags everyone out to sea and drowns them. It's really bad, uh, out in Vegas right now. So I'm with you. I do think there's a couple people worth kind of hanging on to who obviously, you know, you think are going to get a lot of run. I might check the lines though. Um, I forget who it was, but somebody on Twitter was talking about, oh, there's all this consternation about the Vegas lines that they rolled out. Think of them like four third lines, and that they're basically going to roll them all more or less equally. So I'm interested to see uh, if that turns out to be the case or who they're kind of relying on during this time. But, you know, obviously there's like deployment out there in terms of ice time. But, man, it's not like anybody's getting hooked up with a nice, you know, uh setup in terms of, you know, who else is on their line. It's just really grim.
0: So you mentioned that you would still be holding on to a few folks who uh, who stands like, out. Like you, I you mean, mentioned, I mentioned. Oh, oh! You're saying Marsha? So you're not you're not saying anyone else? No, I'm Marcia just agreeing so- with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm not digging okay. up anybody else that I think
1: is worth holding on to. You know, one thing that is interesting is we've heard, and of course we've heard this before, um, but that there may be some movement on the Jack Eichel front. Uh, and you know, this has been on and off, and some talk about Vegas, some talk about maybe Anaheim. Now that they've got. Uh, Some players on injured reserve. Obviously, we don't want to jump to any conclusions, but just a reminder that people getting uh, excited about a potential Eichel uh, trade here, you're still going to be hanging on for a long time, right? Uh, The two surgery options are a 12-week recovery for fusion surgery and the disc replacement that Eichel wants, which has been uh, a point of contention with uh, the Sabres. Uh, that would has a shorter recovery week at eight to ten weeks. But, you know, even if we're assuming a trade is completed, say, in the next two weeks in surgery scheduled a week after the ink dries, you're looking at a return sometime in February or March at the absolute earliest. Uh So, you know, I think whether we see him at all, I think, is still very much in question. Uh And, you know, it would it would. I think, depend in a lot of ways on how the Knights are doing and what their playoff chances look like. I'm, I'm pretty confident they'll be able to rebound from where they're at right now and, and be okay, especially once their stars return. Um, but, you know, the the Pacific does not seem like the super easy division that they would just ride uh, roughshod yeah, over the way we thought they were. Honestly. Right. I'm, no, uh, I, I think... I, I think I
0: think there might have some issues. Uh, like, obviously, if they get back to full health, you would probably expect them to approach uh stability but i think this is the sort of we've seen this type of season where everything that can go wrong continues to go wrong from a lot of teams before and i i'm i think there are reasons to be nervous about you know even robin Lehner as a starting goalie we thought that that was going to be kind of a, a tap in for him but there's reasons to be concerned yeah absolutely we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will chat about a couple of hot streaks and a cold streak. You're listening to short shifts. Welcome back to short shifts. Lewis, why don't you take us out to Calgary?
1: Yeah. So obviously Calgary has been a surprisingly excellent, uh, place. Although I, I got to give credit where it's due. Brian, uh, talked in the preseason about, uh, Calgary, maybe, uh, get, you know, having a, having putting together a nice season. Um, Someone that has been flying off of waiver wires is Rasmus Anderson. so we want to talk about him a little bit uh, in terms of his value. Uh, Four points in the last four games, three of them on the power play. Uh, He's been at at least 46% of the power play for the last four games uh, and was over four minutes uh, with a power play assist uh, and an even strength assist against Philadelphia in their most recent game. Uh, he already went from 20% to 33% rostered on Yahoo from Monday to Tuesday. Uh, and you like to see, I think I like to see him spending 80% of his even strength time on ice with Hannafin. I think that's a good partner for him uh, who can provide him with some defensive stability and let him be a little bit more offensive. Uh The pair have nine goals for and only one goal against at even strength, which is nice. They're driving 54% of the shot attempts. Uh, and you've even got him killing about 35% of penalty minutes, which gives him a chance to earn a few blocks for our multicat leagues or points leagues that count them. You know, this is, this is not a, an elite option on defense. Um, you know, I think despite the success of the flames power play, they're not relying hugely on their defensemen. They haven't really for, for a while now. Um, at least the last couple seasons. Uh, and he's not shooting much, only a shot a game. Uh, but he is widely available. He's a defenseman who's pacing for 61 points, and he's playing behind a, a, an offense that's off to a great start. Uh, if you get credit for power play points in your league, especially, uh, you know, I'd have no problem swapping him in to replace Carlson while his status is up in the air regarding COVID, especially because uh, Carlson's had, you know, maybe overperformed so far on the power play. Uh and so Anderson might give you a little bit more stability there, even if he might lack a little bit of the flash and, and some of the shooting. Um so that's when I Sorry, think that did you is. Say interesting. you say you're gonna drop did you say you would drop
0: Carlson? Swapping
1: sure. him in to replace him while he is, you know, a, a good replacement option uh, if you're oh, trying to replace I him there. I, I don't think sure. I'm ready to swap him yet, but I think they're you know, after looking at the numbers, I they're closer than I anticipated, uh considering them uh, early on.
0: Yeah, I think that the best thing going for Anderson this year, we all kind of wrote him off because people expected Hannafin to take that top power play. But the nicest thing for him is that there really is no other heir apparent in Calgary. I know a lot of folks have carried a torch for Yuso Valimaki, but there's been no indication that the Flames see him as a top power play option. And now we have Rasmus Anderson just sort of humming along. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Flames struggle. Um, they're outshoot, they're outscoring their expected goals on the power play, and Anderson has not been a particularly dominant five on five scorer. So I do think that there will be some some lulls. There will be some rough patches here for Anderson owners. But for now, while he's hot, this is exactly when you want him on your team, and uh, I have no issues with uh, picking him up in most leagues.
1: Yeah, especially if you're in a league where like Nate Schmidt was a hot commodity when he had his little hot run mm-hmm. with the Jets. I I think Anderson is going to be. You know, I know he was very streaky last season and, you know, defensemen tend to be streaky, especially if they have, you know, a bunch of points here. If they're pacing for, I don't know, 50 points, you know, they're going to have plenty of games in there where they don't score and sometimes they all come in a run. But I would definitely think of him as a much more stable option than, uh, Schmidt, who, you know, was riding some unsustainable numbers, uh, to that recent hot run of success. All right, Lewis, why don't you tell us about our cold streak for tonight? Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, this was a bit disappointing. Luckily, this wasn't a guy that was going as high as he has in the past. But what is the deal with Anders Lee? He's getting all the deployment you could ask for. Line one, power play one. You know, this was a guy that was drafted 155 overall, uh, drafted in 84% of Yahoo leagues, and yet he managed a goal in game one and not a peep from this guy since. Uh, lots of people asking if this is a guy we should be worried about or if they should hold on and wait for regression with his prime deployment. I think the scariest thing about Lee right now is his shot volume. Typically, this is a guy you would rely on for at least 2 shots a game, uh along with a hit and about, you know, a 55ish point pace. Uh but with 6 games done so far this season, he's averaging just 1.8 shots a game, and that number is deceptive because it's really propped up by one game versus Columbus that featured 6 shots and in every other game that he's played, uh The other five games, he's only taken one shot in each of them. His individual shots per 60 minutes is at the lowest rate of his career. Uh The hits are on their typical pace, but they've also been coming in fits and starts. You know, two, then zero, then three, then zero, then four, then zero. Uh So maybe we'll see five in this next one and then zero in the next two games. But, you know, if he's not hitting, he's giving you, you know, whatever your shot is worth and nothing else. Uh So there's a bit of hope. Uh, as I looked at his points participation, he, the only goal that he's factored into was the one that he scored. Uh, so his uh, points participation is only at 20%, but he's never really been a key part of setting up plays, much more of a trigger man. Uh, so a regression to his usual 60-65 to 65 participation rate would only factor into a couple more assists. Uh, and it's not like the Isles are shooting particularly poorly overall. While he's out there, he's enjoying the highest on-ice shooting percent of his career, uh, outside of a two-game sample, his super rookie year in 2012-2013. Uh, so you got to ask yourself if you would be any less panicky about a half point per game Anders Lee with a crummy shot rate, uh, you know, with a goal and two assists. You know, I'm a sucker for a guy with great deployment, and six games isn't a huge sample size. Uh the Isles have yet to play this week. They'll put uh they'll play Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh so it probably is worth it to hold on to him through Sunday, but the Isles play only one game next week against the Devils on Thursday. Uh I don't think I could stomach holding Lee over that week if things don't improve dramatically in these games versus Montreal, Winnipeg, and Minnesota. What do you think? Is
0: that a guy that you Yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't be holding him now because I would have dropped him last week for his one game week. In, uh, in week three, I think that he's a, he's a snoozer. He's a drop. I'm with ya.
1: Yeah, uh, you. Yeah, you want to see those shots rebound before anything else. And if you can get back to shooting like his old self, you know, uh, and your league gives credit for that, I think if you're in points only, uh, you probably didn't draft him in the first place, but certainly let him go now. Uh, and yeah, with that one game week coming up, I think it's time to say bye-bye to Anders Lee.
0: Yeah, I think Brian and Elon covered this uh, two weeks ago before the week three uh, schedule for New York that had just one game. Um, And basically we're saying like, if it's not nailed down to Matt Barzell, just uh, probably, or or one of those goaltenders, specifically Sorokin, I guess, uh, probably you're good to cut bait. And that's that's pretty much how I feel about most players on the aisle.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. It's just has not been a very exciting offense. And that's sort of what you've come to expect at this point. All right, Lewis, why don't you
0: take us out of here?
1: All right. Well, thank you, as always, for joining us. We're so pleased that you have chosen to download and listen to our show. Uh, please give us a follow at Short Chips KK. You can follow Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson. Dave Benton of the Stream Scheme is at NHL Stream Scheme. Uh, Please visit and patronize the great sites where we research our episodes at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, Natural Stat Trick, and Cuckupful.com. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short.